We're starting a new series today. Yes. We've wrapped up the everyday hero. You will not see any more heroes on stage. But we are doing something that Christian and I are very excited about because we both love this movie and the soundtrack. But we're doing a series based on The Greatest Showman. So we're excited about this, talking about The Greatest Life, right? And, And there's a lot of voices out there saying what you have to do to be great, what you have to do to live a great life. And so we're going to unpack some of that, and we're going to talk about these songs that have great themes that actually, I think, get back to the idea of redemption, idea of what life's all about, the idea of of dreaming something greater than than what you see before you. And so um, today, we're starting with one of the songs, the first one, A Million Dreams, and um, I love it, or else I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, and so basically, it's the idea of P.T. Barnum when he was little, and he was in poverty, and he was kind of in love with this girl who was very rich, and it, talked about, it talks about his dream for something greater than what he's seen and what he's experienced. So we're going to watch and listen to this whole song together. I might dance a little bit up here. Don't be mad, or don't be jealous. Um, so let's, we're going to watch this. I love the idea that you close your eyes. And you see a world that you don't see. And that's the beauty behind a dream. And I think that it's so easy to get bogged down in what you see around you and reality that you're living through and the life that you're doing every day to forget to dream. And that's why this song grips my heart in such a way that it reminds me, despite where he was and where he came from, he was able to say, there is a world that's waiting for me. There is a life that I can live that I don't see yet. And it reminds me that God has got a dream for me. And that sometimes it's easy to forget that that he's there with me saying, there is a greater life for you, Jonathan. And and, and, And when I see something like this, when it touches into my imagination and my dreams, I remember, yes, this is kind of what separates us from animals. They only dream about like food or snuggles, right? We dream about changing the world. We dream about something more than what we see. Despite our background, despite how we were raised, despite if we had a lot of money or a little bit of money. And I just kind of just say that I don't cry very often, but like I got choked up when, when that guy gave him the app a little, you know, oh my goodness, right? It's amazing. So I love this quote. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. There's something about embracing the dreams that God has for you, the dreams that are in you. And you might not know know they're actually what God has for you, but I believe God breathes these dreams into all of us, right? And there's a beauty in there. And sometimes it's easy to mark up the beauty and forget about the beauty when, when life gets real and it gets frustrating. But we have to remember that we are creatures that need to dream. We are people that need to dream. And I'm wondering this morning if we've forgotten that we are meant to step into these dreams that God has for us. I wonder if someone walked up to you today and said, what are you dreaming about? What you would say. What are you dreaming about for yourself or for your family, for your schools, for your your work, for your communities, for this nation, for this world? And I, I... You know, that convicts me because I can think sometimes I get so focused on what's ahead of me that I forget about these, you know, the stars and what God has, these dreams that I have. Are you guys getting excited? I am. Okay, but now I'm going to depress you. 
Okay, so here we go. I think that it's hard to dream in a culture where you feel like you're just being backed up or you're struggling to survive or you're struggling to make ends meet. You're struggling and you look around and you see negativity and you see brokenness and you see death and you see destruction and you see hatred and you see politics and you see all this stuff. And it's hard to dream. And you're like, I'm, I'm just trying to like get by. I'm trying to get out of bed in the morning, Jonathan. I can't dream about this great grand world when I'm just trying to like not be so depressed to get through the day. And I think sometimes it's, you feel like it's a luxury to have the time to dream when you're being pulled in all sorts of different directions. Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes your mind is going and you forget like some of the things that you really love, the things that make your heart come alive, and you realize you haven't even thought about something like that in weeks or months. And I feel like today God is, is, is saying, he's calling us back to this simplicity, this childlike imagination and dreams. But I think that our world struggles with that right now. I feel like a lot of times, instead of dreaming, when we're faced with hardship, we want to just escape. And dreaming and escape are so different, right? Dreaming is tapping into the world that looks different than what you see right now. Escape is saying, I just want to get away from it all and forget it all. And oftentimes, we settle for escaping, and this culture settles for escaping. I'm not just talking about social media and Netflix and all these things we do to distract ourselves from the world around us and from our part to play. But, you know, let me just read some sobering statistics. We see the 2016 facts and figures of the American Social, American Society of Addiction Medicine and read that there were over 47,000 lethal drug overdoses with opioid, opioid addiction driving this epidemic, with nearly 19,000 overdose deaths related to prescription pain relievers. That was in 2016. Over 10,500 overdose deaths related to heroin and we can sit here and say, can this really be happening in our country? People are dying. Actually, did you know that more Americans under the age of 50 are dying of drug overdoses than are dying of any disease or accident? Like, this is actually a thing. And sociologists studying the drug epidemic that's happening right now. See, we might be distanced from it, but actually it's happening. There's a lot of people who are escaping in this way. And sociologists have looked at this, along with suicides and alcohol-related disease, as deaths of despair. That's what they're calling them. And so what do we mean by despair? Despair is a feeling that life will get worse for you, not better. The despair of many in this country is that their economic future, their political future, their personal future will be worse than what it used to be. And you might not feel that way, but there's a lot of people who feel that way. There's a lot of people who are living under despair. They're living under this, this the world is getting worse the world, and they're choosing escape over dreaming of a better world. And so there's things that, the beauty of this is in the culture, the climate of despair, that is where dreams birth. That is where they take root. That's where people who are called dreamers rise up and say, this is not what we need to settle for. We don't need to settle for thousands of our friends and our family and our People around us choosing death over living out the future that they see as despair and dark. We can choose dreaming. Actually, this whole thing, Christian and I, this whole 
not this church, but when we started, I was 16, he was 17. Now, you might not know this generation, millennials, because everybody hates on millennials now, but when we were growing up, everybody hated on Generation X. That's where we were, Generation X, you know, they're no good, they're not going to do anything, they don't work hard, right? They're always listening to their Walkman or whatever, you know. You know, they're addicted to their pagers, I don't know. But, but seriously, we were raised, the, the generation above us was so negative. And it was like, you know, all these like goths, you know, and Marilyn Manson was a big deal. All these things, like they're so, they're like Satanists and all this kind of stuff. And I remember Christian and I just having conversations like, we have to do something about our generation. This is not the end of our story. And we began to dream, what can we do? Because we were people... And we had friends in this room who also were dreamers saying, we are a generation that we know we're not going to settle for what is being spoken over us, but we're going to dream of something greater. We're going to dream about a a group of people that can change the world. And so we're like, well, what can you do? Well, um, so we're like, well, we could just like have a great big gathering of young people like us, and we can just like talk to them about Jesus and talk about dreams and talk about hope and 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 declare that this generation is not going to be you know the, the worst generation in the world. And so we decided to do this conference. I was sixteen; he was seventeen. We no one knew us. We were like nobodies. We're, I mean, we're still nobodies, but back then we were young nobodies, and no one knew us. And, and so I remember we we went and we. We're like, well, let's just have it in Wilmington, okay? And so we went and we met at a comp. We went to a hotel and we're like, hey, we want to run out your ballroom. And they're like, you guys want to run out our ballroom? Yeah, we want, we want to. And we think there's going to be a ton of young people. And they're like, a ton of young people. And they're like, yeah, we want it. And so he was like, and we gave him the date and, and, and he's like, well, you're going to have to pay for that before the event because we don't think anything, you're not going to do this. And so I remember we were just like desperate. We were praying. We were crying out to God and like, I remember the day of the conference, people just came. It was like, we were like, we don't know any of these people. We don't know where they came from. We don't know what's going on. But there was like over 600 young people that came that conference, that weekend, to say, you know what? We're dreaming of a bigger world. We're we're dreaming of a greater future for Generation X. right? And so in the bedrock of despair... That's where dreams are birthed. So if you're in a place of despair right now, take heart because God is knocking on the door saying, begin to dream. Don't escape. Don't run away, but begin to dream of what I can do with you, what I can do in you. And so, but you have a choice in those times of despair, right? You can either escape or you can dream. But I really believe that you can't dream without hope. In order to be able to dream, you need to embrace hope. And see, the problem with hope is that a lot of times when you hope for something and you hope for something and you hope for something and it doesn't happen, you get burnt, right? How many people have wanted something and then you didn't get it and you were disappointed and discouraged? Probably all of us. You don't have to... If you don't raise your hand, you're lying. Because we've all been discouraged. We've all been frustrated. And the problem is, is that we hold on to this thing that's false hope. These, these empty promises that say, you know, it's like this. Have you gotten an email that says, if you forward this email, you'll get an Amazon gift card for $1,000 or a free iPad or an iPod or an iPhone or whatever, right? Or, or this idea that if you take this pill, you're going to look as good as me, right? I mean, it's, it's a lot of hard work. You can't just take pills to be like this. 
right? Charles Revlon, who's the makeup guy, the founder of Revlon, said that he didn't sell makeup to women. He sold women hope. He said, wear this and you'll look as beautiful as these models. Do this and you'll look, right? And so there's this false hope. And actually, the problem is religion has sold a lot of false hope. If you look at a lot of, and I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of people on TV, they are selling something that is going to leave people discouraged and burned in the end. They're saying, if you give this much money, you'll be healed of this disease. Or they're saying, if you have 100% faith, your family will be set free, or you'll be delivered, or if you live a good life, nothing bad's going to happen to you. And that's why at City Light, we don't embrace this idea, this prosperity. We're real. We understand life is real. And, and, and just trusting in God and believing everything's going to be perfect we know that this, that's not how it works. And in the end, the problem with this prosperity idea, this false hope that a lot of religion sells, is that people, when they don't get healed, when bad things do happen, they blame God, not, just, not the people who told them that, but they say, forget it, I'm not going to do this anymore. And they become hopeless, and then they escape, and they forget to dream. And we need to choose hope, but not false hope, not the hope the world gives, but actually, a living hope. And this is what Peter, he was a disciple of Jesus, so he spent a lot of time with Jesus. He knew what Jesus was all about. He saw the good, and he saw the bad that happened to Jesus. And he writes this to a group of people who are really struggling following Jesus. They're being persecuted. They're being killed. They're being you know, scattered. And so he said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy He has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, the thing is, if we put our hope in people or political systems or money or things or anything, if you even put your hope in your friends, it's going to leave you hopeless in the end. See, there's a living hope that Jesus offers all of us that says, this is what's going to produce dreamers in us. And so... This living hope is a powerful substance. Hope is not a feeling addressed to our emotions. Hope is a decision addressed to our wills. It's saying not despite what you feel sometimes. You're saying, I'm going to step into hope. And I'm going to believe that what God says he's going to do, he's going to do. I'm going to believe that even though I'm struggling through hardship, there is blessing coming in my life, to my my family, my friends, my church, my community, my nation. I believe But what God started, he says he's going to complete. So I know it. So you step into that living hope. I think one of the most powerful examples of this living hope is what the African-American slaves went through. And if you look and you read about their their spirituals they sung, these songs that, that tapped into this idea that there is a glory to come. Despite what we're going through, we have hope and we can rejoice in this living hope despite the hardships and the atrocities that are being done to us. Why? Because they believe that God, what he says he's going to do, he's going to do eventually. And where they have been separated in their families, and where they have been abused, and where they have been murdered, God promises, in the end, all those things are going to be made right. And so they were able to put their hope and carry this hope through hundreds of years of pain and suffering. And sometimes we get angry at God and want to walk away from him when we get into a car accident. And we're like, God, why did you let me get hurt, you know, or whatever. Like these guys were willing to press in and have hope and dream of a brighter future. 
That's amazing. And this kind of living hope is the foundation of dreams. Jesus was the ultimate dreamer. He comes in into a time where people, you know, his people were under, you know, under Roman persecution and dominance, and people were angry and frustrated, and the whole, you know, religious movement had become so law-based and so hypocritical and so broken, and Jesus steps in, and he goes into the church, and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He opens up this prophecy that was written thousands of years earlier, and he reads this about himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Does that sound like dreams? Right? To speak this life, this hope to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time the Lord's favor has come. And he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Because here was living hope embodied. Here was a dreamer saying, these things that you guys have longed for for thousands of years actually is going to start happening now because I am here. And as we put our hope in Jesus, we can begin to dream the dreams that he has for our lives. And I'm not going to tell you what your dream is because I've got my own dreams, you've got your own dreams. But as we submit and say, Jesus, I want your life in me. I want your living hope. The dreams that he has for us come to life. Sometimes, oh, I'm not going to say that yet. Um, and we're almost done. This is, this is wonderful. So if you're like me, you might be listening to this. And you might be like, yeah, that's great. But I really, I, I don't know if I have any dreams. I don't know if I have any gifts. I'm not that special. And I would say, yes, that's true. You're not that special. Okay, but... We all have dreams. And I think the biggest thing that holds us back from actually embracing dreams, embracing hope, is fear. And we're just like, I just don't, I'm afraid of taking a step, right? A lot of times, and in order to, to see your dreams accomplished, it doesn't just like one day you're not living your dreams, and the next day all your dreams are fulfilled. It doesn't happen like that. It's like a process. It's a journey. It's saying, okay, I'm going to forget about my fear right now. I'm going to step into this thing. And last week... If you remember, Rebecca was up here talking about her mentor who encouraged her into musical theater and she uh, and brought out something in her, like she believed in her gifts and she loved it, right? But then between high school and the first time she actually tried out as an adult to do any musical theater, it was like 15 years, right? Back 15 years? It was a long chasm, right, where she could barely even remember who that person in high school was. And so she went to an audition. She didn't know anybody. And she was incredibly nervous. This was up in Wilmington. And she gave her music and she said, she said, um, all right, I'm going to give the penis my music right now instead of pianist. Right? She called him a penis. <laughs> and like, like, I remember hearing this story. And just thinking, she was like, I was trying pianist. And I was like, why don't you just say piano player? Why did you even come close to that form of what you call a piano player? And she said, as soon as she called him a penis, obviously she was horrified. And she like bombed our audition. And I remember talking to her afterwards. And she just said, you know what? I don't think this is for me. 
I don't think I can, I, I'm, I'm not meant to be on stage. She didn't get a call back. She didn't get a part, right? <laughs> Surprising. And this is a dream that she had, but it, was, it would have been so easy to say, forget it. This, I'm, I'm, I don't want to look foolish any longer. See, a lot of times when you pursue your dreams, you're going to look foolish. You're going to fail. Even if you feel like God is telling you and leading you to something, oftentimes there is resistance to seeing that realized. And so we can't be people who are easily set back. If you call someone a penis, fight through it. That's what I'm saying. And so I remember talking to her and she was just, she said, I'm done. I'm just, I'm just going to be a mom. I'm Forget it. I mean, just be a mom, and that's a wonderful thing. But not every your only dream isn't just to be a parent. There's so much more to life than just being a parent. Thank God. Anyway, <laughs> I remember like she went back to another audition, and you know what she was offered? The leading role. No, she was offered the part of a nun in The Sound of Music. That is like the smallest part you can get in that musical. Also, it's very unflattering because the outfits of nuns are hideous. right so she started down here but she had dreams of being up here she had dreams in high school of going to broadway right because she has that much talent in my heart i know she could do it she could right and then the next part she tried out she got a little more a little more and then two or three years ago she had like her dream role at Milburn Stone Theater in Les Mis, which is like our favorite musical. And she was the part of Fantine. And she got to sing A Dream, A Dream. And it was like, it was like I was watching her living her dreams. Right? Your, your dream might not be on stage singing a song. Your dream might not be like Christians of mine to start a church that brings people in and accepts everybody and loves them and, you know, all that. You, you know about this church. Right? <laughs> right? This is the thing. We may not be able to accomplish everything we can dream, but we will not accomplish anything without our dreams. And so my question for you today is, have you thought about your dreams? Have you asked God, what do you have for me? What's here? Because a lot of us have just settled for life as we know it. Instead of saying, there is a future that I want to fight for, I want to lean into, I want to run into, that I know God is partnering with me to make a difference. I want to change this world. Millennials, you young guys, get angry that everybody is saying you have nothing to give and you're addicted to your phones and that you love Fortnite. (laughs) All you do is play Fortnite, right, Judah and Cozy? Get angry about that. And make a difference with your life. Begin to dream. You know what it says in, in Joel 2.9? It actually says old men will dream dreams. So you old men out there, 40 and above, I'm not there yet, but I will be there in a few months. Us old men need to dream dreams, right? God does not say just because you get to a certain age, you can stop dreaming. You can stop living for a better future. You can stop fighting. We need the older men and women in this generation to say, you know what? We believe in the millennials. We believe in Generation X. We believe in Generation Y. We believe that God is going to use these guys and us. We need to dream. So I come back to my question. Do we have the will and courage to dream for ourselves, for our families? for our communities, for our church, for our nation. Do you hear about something wrong and you just say, well, I guess that's the way it is. Well, if you do, you're awful. No, I'm teasing. It's easy to feel that way. 
But God is just pushing us to say, can you look at these situations, these, these places of brokenness, these places of hopelessness, where you embrace living hope and begin to speak dreams? See, that's what Jesus did when he came on the scene. He said, I've got hope and I'm dreaming big for all of you. And he gathered all these weirdo disciples, young fishermen who had no hope for anything special besides fishing. Wow, I said that weird. Besides fishing. Right? And he said, begin to dream about something greater and bigger than what you've experienced. See, we love to talk about these people like P.T. Barnum and, and these people who have these great dreams when we can step in that place ourselves. No one is exempt from it. I'm going to end with this scripture because I just think it's so good. And this is Paul writing to the church. He's writing to you and to me. And he's saying, this is a reality. Listen. Oh, oh. That's a really good quote, too. I'll, I'll get to that. Hold on. And worship team, you can, you can come back up here, okay? Here we go. I'm going to read this, and then I'll end it with a scripture. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. This is Harriet Tubman. Do you think she thought she was going to be famous one day? No. She just had a dream to save her people, and she began to do it. Always remember, you have within you, within you, the strength, the patience, and the passion. Strength, patience, passion. That's what it takes to pursue your dreams to reach for the stars, to change the world. And Paul says something really similar. He says this, God can do anything. It's hard to believe that, I know, but yes, it's true. God can do anything with you. God can do anything. He's put dreams and hopes inside of you, and he can make them change the world. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Actually, what God has in store for us goes far beyond what you're dreaming right now for your life. Like, he's got these incredible, mind-blowing dreams for you. And maybe it's just something simple, but it's something incredible because it's custom-designed for how he made you, what he gave you. He does it not by pushing us around, right? God doesn't force us to pursue our dreams. He doesn't force us. He doesn't make us do it. But by working within us, right, there's that living hope as we embrace Jesus. He works within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. So let's stand up together. Like, I want to go to bed at night, my mind not thinking about the things I'm stressed out about and worried about and afraid of, but I want my mind to be thinking about the million dreams that I can think about, like that song says. And I feel like for some of us, we are under like just like a blanket of despair, of negativity, of cynicism. Maybe you pursued your dreams. Maybe you pursued your hopes. And you know what? It just didn't work out for whatever reason. But God is saying today, there is a new chance. There's a new start right here. And there are some dreams that you have inside of you that you have shoved down. And maybe if you're younger, you just think, I'm too young to dream right now. Don't believe that lie. You can dream. Your dream is going to change the world. Your dream is going to shape the future. That's what's so great about working and following and journeying with God. Is that anything is possible. And there are some of you that says, you know what? I don't even know my dreams. I don't feel like I've ever dreamed. Start there. Say, God, when you look at me, what do you see? What's my future? What are my gifts? God, I pray that you would just stir up the dreams inside each one of us. And that we wouldn't settle for just living every day the way that we see it, but that we would close our eyes and that we would see the world that you have, what's in your heart, God. 
God, I pray that you would give us patience, passion, the energy to pursue the dreams, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you are are gripped by this and you're like, yeah, I want to change my life. I want to begin to dream. I want living hope in me. Head over to the prayer guys over there and they'll pray for you because God is stirring up your heart. He's saying there is more to life than what you see, than what was yesterday. It's going to be greater tomorrow. God, we do not settle for despair. We do not settle for escape, but we press into dreams, what you have for us. So you can go over and get prayer, and we're also going to take communion together now. And it's a time where we remember what Jesus did for us, right? And it allows what Jesus did for us gives us the living hope. And so when you take communion, you remember his body that was broken, and you remember his blood that was poured out on the cross, and he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it so that we could look at the future and say, it is not hopeless. It is not bleak. It is not broken. There is life for me in the future because of what Jesus has done. Amen.